Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks. And I'm Zach Fishman. And this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here and welcome to Modern Business. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business Podcast. Looking forward to talking to you all a little bit about, you know, an industry that I love, of course, in food and beverage, but more accurately, a pizza that I love. Uh, I think that it was really cool when I first found out when I was a little kid that something that my parents had been doing for ages and ages and ages, you know, really filtered through a good amount of my life, and in particular, food and beverage. That was the first exposure I had to franchising. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, my grandparents used to take me around to all these different deep dish pizza places. My grandfather loved it. And one day he decided to take me to the original uh, deep dish pizza place. And then all of a sudden we showed up to Pizzeria Uno. Uh, for, folks, for folks who are from Chicago or have been before, it's typically a rite of passage to be trying this type of pizza. And a lot of folks uh, in the industry know uh, that many of the famous places that you know and love today are offshoots of this very place that started um, right, I believe, is it on State Street? And I'll have to make sure that I'm corrected on that. I think it no, may be. No, I don't Wabash. Yeah. Okay, so it's on Wabash. Okay, so it's a little bit further down, a little bit further. But yes, but at, at any rate, it is, a, it is a, a spot in my heart that I have always held near and dear for folks who know I am from Chicago. Uh, and so what I decided to do was to kind of tell that uh, to the CEO of the company and basically say, hey, you know, I love this pizza and I love deep dish pizza and I want to talk about it and kind of go through some of the misconceptions that you see in the industry around, you know, what deep dish pizza means to Chicago and what pizza and what pizza from my city actually means to the franchise space, too. And so uh, today we're going to get into that. And I have I'm lucky enough to have the CEO on the line with me and I'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, but before I do, uh, we are probably going to be airing this episode in the middle of June. Uh, so by that time, you guys will see that Springboard, uh, our big conference that we do in Philadelphia, will be in full swing. Uh, we will have met for the first time with our committee to be able to start to figure out the agenda. Uh, we've had probably, as of this recording, about 75 people that have signed up already. Uh, we're anticipating we're going to have 800 people uh, out in Philly this year for our conference. It will be the biggest yet by about 125 people. So. We're super excited about that. Uh, and if you really want to learn a little bit more about that, uh, you should definitely go to www.franchisespringboard.com uh, to learn a little bit more about what the conference entails. We've got lots of old keynote speakers and a lot of the old panels if you want to check that out. Uh, but it is the conference for emerging brands. So any questions you all have about that, feel free to message Ryan or myself, and we'd be happy to either give you the answer or put you in the right direction. Okay, uh, so for today, as I mentioned, we're going to get into the world of deep dish pizza, and of course, as uh, it's maybe not commonly known, but there is some there is some thin crust too. Uh, I have on the CEO of Pizzeria Uno, uh, Eric Frederick, on with us. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, I as I kind of said in the opening here, you know, there is a lot of misconceptions around the world of Pizzeria Uno, and really, I guess the greater deep dish pizza. Uh, and really what it means to Chicago and also franchising. And I think it's uh, there's no better person to tell the story than you. Uh, so uh, I will first start out by asking for folks who don't know um, the abbreviated story behind, you know, the founding story of Pizzeria Uno and the deep dish pizza. Yeah, well, well thanks. So 
Uh, we were founded in uh, in Chicago uh, in 1943 um, by uh, two partners, um, Rick Ricardo, who was really one of the top um, restaurateurs of Chicago back then, and Ike Sewell, who was a who was um, a liquor di uh, distributor. And so they, I mean, nothing but pizza and booze goes, you know, nothing goes better than that. And so they formed a partnership um, at Ohio and Wabash and, and started what is now Pizzeria Uno. Um, I like to think of Pizzeria Uno um, as the birth, is not so much the inventor of, of deep dish pizza, which it was invented there, but really is the birthplace of, of deep dish. And I say that because there's been a lot of people who over the years worked at Uno's going back to the 40s and have since spun off and, and started their own chains and whatnot. And some of their people have spun off. And so, um, well, on some level, people would say, well, boy, aren't they competitors? And I say, no, they're all part of the family tree and, and effectively, you know, uh, making making Chicago pizza what it is. But, uh, but at any rate, uh, back to, you know, kind of the history and, um, Rick uh, passed on in, in 1954, and that left Ike with the entire, um, you know, partnership. And so a block away, uh, this beautiful, you know, um, Victorian uh, mansion came up on the market, and he bought it. And with, you know, um, all the originality of marketing in the, in the 50s, he called, Uno was originally called the Pizzeria, Right. And now he had one and he had two. So he called the original Uno and the second Duet. And, and it's funny, to this day, people ask, well, we want to go to the original Uno. Is this a different company? And it's not. Um, fun fact, Ike was from Texas. And, and, in ninth, and, and back those days, you just couldn't get good Mexican food in Chicago. Um, this, this mansion had a carriage house behind it. And he built this restaurant called Sucasa. And so as a company, we, we have this Mexican restaurant called Sucasa, and they're, it is a family business. They are all interrelated. They know each other, and I hold they have the best margaritas in Chicago. Um, but just an amazing team and, and, and love them all. Um, and then uh, in 1977, um, a fellow by the name of Aaron Spencer, who uh, owned really the majority of the Kentucky Fried Chicken um, um, franchises in New England, uh, went to Chicago, fell in love with the, the deep dish product. And, uh, you know, somewhere between befriended and cajoled uh, Ike Sewell, uh, he uh, <laughs> got a hold of the franchise uh, rights. And being a Boston guy, he, he started uh, the franchise um, operation that we have today. Um, Aaron is a very young 91 year old man and I consider him a mentor um, and critic sometimes and, and uh, you know uh, very sharp and keeps me honest and everything like that but uh, you know the company at one point had 250 restaurants outside of Chicago we're more like a casual dining chain than, than anything else so um, I came on originally as the chief financial officer in June of 2000. 18 and then uh basically uh got got uh put in charge in april of 2020 the ultimate battlefield promotion and uh <laughs> i'm still standing so well i like to see that that's definitely a battlefield promotion uh considering <laughs> that was like 
maybe the the worst time because uh, March is March gets all the credit, but I think April was worse. Um, <laughs> but uh, but really, it's a really cool story, and you know, I I drive past it all the time. I my my girlfriend used to live in Gold Coast, and you know, it's something. I, whenever I would head over to the highway, I'd be passing by and taking the turn uh, to go to go toward go down Ohio. Uh, it's always what I saw, yeah. uh, which is really cool uh, to be able to see that. Uh, pizzeria uno pizzeria uh, a due and of course sukasa the story that nobody ever knows but i love that uh it's a very funny one um but you know you mentioned a couple things in there that i think are super interesting i think that one thing to consider is that outside of chicago it is a it is a bit of a different thing and it's taken you know a more traditional route of being a casual dining chain that has a chicago flair to it right i think that i think that you know deep dish is is the star sure but i would say that there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, supporting ca- there are a lot of folks in the supporting cast so to speak in terms of the food that really uh, are some really you know great pieces of what you guys do talk to me a bit about you know just to educate people who maybe don't know around what else you guys have on the menu and you know i, I guess I-, I guess really why because i think a lot of people just commonly think you're just a deep dish pizza spot, right? Yeah, but um, it's so, so much more than that. So, so glad you, you answered that. Oh, yes, that Zach, because so um, when, when, you know, you have to you know, go back to the context of history of, of, you know, when Aaron Spencer began building out these casual dining restaurants, this was in the early eighties. This was the heyday of, you know, yeah. all, you know, TGI Fridays and Bennigan's and Chili's and everybody was really building up. These are 6,000 square foot restaurants. Well, if I thought about Uno and Due combined, they're about 6,000 square feet. Um, and, and back in those days, it would take all of 40 minutes to, to make a pizza. And so, you know, in, in, in the downtown location, so it couldn't be a casual dining restaurant in the suburbs that didn't have the draw of downtown Chicago and have all that square footage and just sell pizza and take that much time. So, um, so the company expanded out and, and had other products too. Um, you know, pizza is obviously our core and let me pause for a second. And Zach, you and I were talking about this earlier when people think about Chicago style pizza. And one of the really awesome things for me is I actually grew up in Chicago. So, uh, just happened to, to marry a woman who was from Boston. And when I got out of the service, we did a nationwide search and said, where are we going to live? And we ended up living where she's from. And so uh, <laughs> it's um, so to end up in this role has just been pretty cool. Um, but um, I, I, at any rate, I grew up in Chicago and we were a thin crust family, but it was a Chicago style thin crust. It's literally a genre called um, tavern style and it's cut in squares and the crust is crispy. The sauce goes all the way to the end, not over the end, but to the end with kind of a sweeter, a little bit of a saltier taste, getting back to drawing people to, you know, um, you know, drink more beer while they're having it, everything like that. So we have an, a really good Chicago style thin crust as well. But then we also have entrees and appetizers and, and, and burgers and, and um, other things that you'd expect to find in a casual dining restaurant, um, you know, and in, in what we've got. Yeah, and so I I love that because I think that evangelizing tavern style as well is so important to me because I was also a tavern style fan. I mean, one of the most famous, and I know that if you're from Chicago, you know it. Uh, the north the north side, there's Barnaby's, which is like the the, the very very mm-hmm. famous one uh, out in the suburbs, and it, the original one is where I grew up. 
so I think it's something oh, nice. that, yeah, so I, I, I always grew up eating that, but also my grandfather was a deep dish guy. So we always used to go down and eat that in all the different places in the city. And Pizzeria Uno was, was really his favorite. So we always well, used to go and do that. Do you know, the other misconception is, um, is stuffed pizza versus deep dish. They're not one and the same, you know, and, and Giordano's is famous for that and, and everything. But um, what, what makes deep dish great is it's all about the crust. And, and we've got this really cool biscuity kind of crust and, and, and others have cornmeal and others have a butter crust and all that. Uh, whereas stuffed crust is almost like a lasagna in a lot of yeah. ways. It, it's more so than, and, and a lot of times people say, oh, I had that, but, and I'm like, well, tell me about it. And they're really describing a trip to Giordano's more than they are, you know, um, anything. And, and, and if you've only had that, you haven't had true deep dish. So, um, so there's even more confusion, even among deep dish. So I know there's a, there, there are many a fight around, around here as, as I know you very well know, cause you're from here around that. And I think that when somebody outside of Chicago kind of takes a look, takes a look at this landscape and they see, you know, they see what you guys are known for. But the fact that you guys have all these other products as well that you're selling and do quite well from a margin standpoint is great. Uh, and I think that obviously to be a full service restaurant that is really a force to be reckoned with, you have to have those things, but not too much. But it's always kind of like that, right, right. that back and forth. And so. You know, when you guys are really thinking about talking, you know, to multi-unit operators, I know that that's primarily what you guys look for today. You know, what type of candidate are you guys typically in and really what what are you looking for in that person too? Yeah, let me let me take a, a, a step back and talk about, you know, a little bit of our strategy and where we're sure. trying to go with with the, the brand. Um so, you know, we're certainly open to people who want a standalone casual dining restaurant, you know, with the right location and all that kind of thing. Um, but the thrust of our strategy is we're working with hotel operators wow. who are going through either um, they bought a hotel and they're completely redoing the restaurant or they're just on their five to seven year, you know, property improvement program or whatever. And so what, you know, we're doing is we're going to them saying, hey, you're already going to spend six, seven hundred K and redoing your restaurant. Why don't you make it an Uno? And, and your incremental cost of that is, is pretty small, but my, my green paint doesn't cost much more than their yellow paint. And I mean, there's like a pizza oven I'm going to prescribe versus the one you're probably going to get on your own. But, um, and um, all of a sudden they start getting a, a few things go well for them. One, um, all that takeout pizza they see that comes in their front door, that now becomes their revenue. They go on, on Grubhub and DoorDash, and now all of a sudden they're getting local takeout pizza. Much to our surprise, the ones we have open are actually seeing people from the local community come in and eat at their restaurant, which, yeah, I just don't say to my wife, hey, honey, we're going to go out tonight. We're going to go to the Doubletree. You know, and so, um, <laughs> you know, and so they're getting these revenue streams. The other cool thing is, Great. Now you're part of a franchise model. So yeah, you got to pay a royalty and a co-op advertising fee, but my food costs are usually less than so much less than their food costs now because it's pizza, you know, um, that um, it's almost like they're getting the franchise support and the brand name for free. So um, so it's. You know, we, we we started about a year ago. We've got six under our belt, and 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 they're all looking to do more. And, and we've got a big pipeline, and so it's 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 gone really well. Um, to get back to your question, though, of who are we looking for? Because eventually, 
the hotels really want to run their hotels. And so what they're looking for us to do is either run them ourselves or find a franchisee who doesn't want to spend a lot of money, um, you know, to build up a full restaurant because the restaurant's there, the site selection's there, liquor license is there. It's just become a very low cost of entry franchisee and operate the restaurant for them. Um, and so usually what I love about your question is most people say, where do you want to go? And my question is not about the where, it's about the who. Um, and one of the great things about Uno is we've got a very collegial um, franchise atmosphere. This that uh, you know, I may have come in to co to to this role um, at one of the worst times in the industry, but I inherited an amazing culture of you know people who play well together and and really want the best for Uno and all that kind of thing. It we really want people like that. This is a business and we're absolutely, you know, out there to make money and everything like that. But, but I have a pretty strict, no jerks allowed rule. And so um, gotcha. one of the cool things about being in the restaurant space is you can kind of look at their ratings and we've walked away from people who wanted to do several, but let's just say they had three-star ratings in their hotels. There's no way they're going to take care of our brand. So it really comes down to the who um, more than anything else. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And there's a lot of lot of things that you packed in there. And, you know, one of the things that I really love is the idea behind getting into hotels, spoken like a true former CFO, uh, kind of trying to kind of optimize in that way. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I know that we were talking before we got on the line here around, you know, this strategy and it being done. And I think it's something that is a relatively new thing. I mean, I think that it it happened a lot back in the day, and I think that, but people were really thinking about putting it next to the hotel right. instead of actually in it. Um, and I think that now that you're seeing the travel is starting to come back again, uh, people really want to be able to have that option for these travelers that are going from place to place and putting, you know, Pizzeria Uno in the actual lobby kind of adjacent to the hotel is going to capture that food so you're not just sitting there ordering DoorDash. And I think that it really does make a significant difference and I really like the idea behind it. Now, question for you around this, because I know you did mention that some of these folks maybe don't want to be operators. Is there, you know, any thought to potentially bringing in a multi-unit, multi-brand, you know, type of person that, you know, doesn't really have to go and look for the real estate because it's already done, right? Is there a thought that's been put into that potentially? Yeah, 100%. Um, it, we really got started on this a year ago. And, you know, we said, okay, we popped our heads up at, at pretty much the 12 month anniversary, you know, of our first opening and said, what can we do different? What we what can we do better? And, and all of that. Um, and, and we think marrying up, you know, the hotel operators with, you know, um, and we're going after people with multi, you know, multi-site hotel operators, you know, when you've got 50 hotels and some have a hundred or even, you know, yeah you know, more, they're privately owned and they're going to be adding five or six a year. And every five years, they're going to be redoing each individual one. So we're, we're looking for franchisees who say, you know what, I can, I can cover this particular area or this owner or, or what have you. And, you know, when you think about the significant CapEx, the build out of the building is done, right? If you think about what goes into the kitchen, the really expensive things, the walk-in freezer is done, the hood's done, the grease traps are done. You know, um, in fact, they're built for a, a banquet capacity. And so, um, and so really a lot of it is cosmetics around the front of the house, some of the specifics like our pizza oven, all that kind of thing. So, so ideally, yeah, that's kind of where 
we would love to do is find people who would say, yeah, we will be the franchisee introduce us to the, to the hotel operator. And there's probably, you know, the, you know, fixed rent plus some upside, you know, deal to be had there and everything like that. And I think our hotel operators would absolutely welcome that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. I think it's definitely a good idea. And I haven't really heard a lot of people doing that quite yet in that model. So I think it's smart to be able to try and get into something where you can kind of match, you'll, you'll be the matchmaker, so to speak. And I think it'll all kind of work out in the way that you'd like. And, you know, I, I guess on the real estate trend, once again here, because I am kind of interested, a lot of fast casual, you know, a lot of a lot of full service, excuse me, has really started to kind of shrink their footprint a little bit here and there. Some of them have just done it within the same type of prototype, but they're just looking to kind of shrink the amount of tables that they may have. Um, some of them have decided to go for a more to go model where they're trying to really kind of make it fast casual. And some of them have really elected to kind of change their focus. Maybe they're not really going for uh, as many suburban markets. They're going for more rural or or vice versa. Um, is there something that you guys have changed? I know that you came into the role at the time when all of this did need to change for some. Um, what have you guys really done from a new prototype standpoint? In addition to the hotel piece, is there yeah. anything else that you guys have done in regards to that? Yeah, it's a great, embarrassing question. So um, before we go to the hotel thing, you know, that was the trend is let's build something smaller. Let's try and do FSR and, and all that. And we did. And we did a prototype. And frankly, we crashed invert. Um, it, at the end of the day, it's different. Everything from the operations to the marketing to if you deconstruct FSR, the F stands for fast. And right, wrong, or indifferent, as much as we can make a deep dish pizza much faster than they can, they could, you know, 1943, what do you know, oven technology's come a long way. The brand perception is it takes too long and not to go lunch. It's also a very different day part. We succeed, although we have a good lunch, you know, our bread and butter is dinner and late night. And that's not what some of those, those concepts really excel at. Um, you know, and so we put one up and we're smart enough to say, this isn't us. This isn't what we're good at. The consumer isn't accepting this. Let's go a place that's natural. And and again, like one thing on the hotel space is it's not just that we sell pizza. Because we have full service routes, we are good at guest experience, but also because we have other things on the menu. If you want to be in the Marriott system with a full service restaurant, you, you're going to have to have a fish. You're going to have to have a chicken. You're going to have to have a pasta. So we already have those things you know, involved. So we're really trying to play to our strengths. But yeah, we, we went down that path and it didn't work out so well. We, we do have two concepts that are just takeout only with our brand. They seem to be doing well. Um, I'm not, you know, convinced I, I need to give those some some running room to see if that's really a scalable model. But right now we're just so focused on on the other thing. But we, we did go down that path and, and uh, it just wasn't right for us. I got to tell you something. I've asked that question to many in the full service restaurant space in the past, and, and not a lot of them have great things to say about how it happened. And so you were not alone is the first thing I want to say. But what I'll also tell you is that I think that a lot of brands are full service restaurants for a reason. Right. And I think that deep dish is best you know, meant to be enjoyed with the family and, you know, tavern style. That's how I always enjoyed it when I was a kid. It yeah. was always with my family and it was never just like a a quick bite thing that I'm right. doing between calls or anything like that. So just the behavior um, doesn't necessarily match up. And I think 
you know, one thing that we haven't really talked about is the fact that, you know, you guys have, you know, you guys have quite a bit of a bar business as well, you know, within the restaurants as well also. And I think that no Chicagoan will, will, will ever, will ever shy away from saying that there is always a beer next to them, that they're legal, it's legal to drink it um, while they're having the pizza that they grew up eating. Right. And I know that I'm, I'm always that way. And I think that, you know, having that within the hotel business and having that bar, I always know that I go down and go have a drink before I head out somewhere. And, you know, that you guys would be the place to do it. Right. And so it makes it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that it's something that, you know, should definitely be a cool strategy to watch as you guys move forward. So um, I want to get into, you know, some of the operational pieces of this, because I think that what's really interesting about your brand is that, you know, full service restaurants definitely have changed a lot in terms of how they have really been managed since the pandemic. And one thing that's been really interesting is around, you know, supply chain. And I think that what you guys probably were able to do and what you were able to optimize um, is really important. And a lot of full service restaurants had, you know, larger menus, but they had to kind of shrink it down in some ways. You know, what did you guys do from a supply chain standpoint to kind of um, make some changes when when those were required? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And um you know, what's the old line of never let a crisis go to waste? Um, yeah. You know, over the years, our menu had expanded to, I want to say 131 items pre-pandemic, but across four different specialty items. The pandemic happened, you know, the shutdown happened and people were happy if you had like two items. I'm exaggerating, but it was just everybody yeah. was able to just crash their menu and everything like that. And we were very thoughtful about how we were going to reopen and, and, and I get how you get there. It's like, well, we've got this menu and then here's this other cool thing we can add that. Okay, well, what are we going to get rid of? Now, yeah, but if we get rid of that, my customers really like that and they come in for it. And it's, it's very easy to say, add this. It's very hard to say, take that off of a menu culturally, especially in a franchise system. And yep. so, so let's just take this, this down. Eventually we're going to come back up, but because of the labor challenges, to me, it wasn't just, the variety, you know, that I think was hurting us. It, my, my thing is I really don't care what something tastes like in a test kitchen at three o'clock in the afternoon. What does it taste like at, you know, eight o'clock on Saturday night, you know, when everyone's rocking and rolling. And when you've got a massive menu and a labor shortage, you know, you're not going to get the quality, you know, that, that you ordinarily, you're just not. And, and, and so, so what we did is we said, what are we really, really good at, you know, and and um, and let's focus on that. And and then let's kind of, you know, have a ceiling, you know, a red line, if you will, that you want to add something, something else has to come off and everything like that. And 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 that's how we approached it. Um, you know, um, you know, from a supply chain perspective, we worked really closely with, um, you know, our distributor, PFG, who was absolutely amazing in a time when, you know, you had had people who couldn't serve their core product. And, you know, our thing was we're putting a moat around pizza. We will always be able to make every pizza on the menu. And we did. You know, there'd be a time where we didn't have this soup on the menu or, you know, what have you. But we could always make the pizza and and together we worked on, you know, menu items that were more, hey, this is what we have in stock at a high, you know, ingredient quality. And, and we did a lot of things like that to make it, you know, work. And the last thing I'll say and not drone on is, you know, I, I had um, between my supply chain team and my regional directors and, and 
we would move heaven and earth on the weekends to move stuff from restaurant A to restaurant B, as I know a lot of people in the industry did, because we were opening the restaurant with as much of the menu as we could. And uh, happily, those days seem to be behind us. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty crazy time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that that's kind of what, what I wanted to get into the crux of. And you answered that, you know, really well, which is around the idea of kind of taking a look and seeing, you know, what are we really good at? You know, what is what is performing really well? Maybe what's not performing that well? And people were starting to use data behind what to put on their menu a lot more. And we were forced to. And it really allowed brands to innovate quite a bit, which I loved. Brands were innovating around how to staff restaurants properly. Maybe they found out that they were one person too many and they never even knew it. Right. And I think that there was just a lot of things that you were really able to determine at that time that really forced us to do it. And, you know, enough about the pandemic, but I ultimately think that it, it was a cool thing to see, especially for full service restaurants that, you know, whenever I have friends that are not American that come here, they are bewildered to see just how much is on every menu. Uh, and it's and it's really cool to be able to see that, you know, a lot of brands started to get into the data sides of it, even the ones that were legacy brands, uh, to be able to kind of go in and make those changes that that probably were necessary to kind of put less stress uh, less stress on things and to decrease decrease the percentage on you know cost of goods sold and all of those things, which is awesome to see. So um, one thing I do want to get into, as I kind of briefly mentioned, is the technology piece. And my question for you is, as a full service restaurant, there's a lot that you guys have to do in order to kind of make things sing harmoniously. What's kind of the piece of technology that you all talk about when a prospective franchisee, you know, comes to you? What's the thing that you guys are most proud of having in place that really makes a difference for your franchisees? Yeah, uh, great, great question. So, um, so I, I mentioned I came here in 2018. This is my first restaurant gig. I had spent most of my career in retail, and as much as you know, uh, it, it it's just a fact. Retail is about 10, in some cases, 15 years ahead of, of the restaurant industry and technology. And I think yep. a lot of that's driven by e-commerce and whatnot. I was the CFO of staples.com for a while. Um, you know, we, you we know. were doing app loyalty programs in, I want to say 99, you know, um, wow. or, or, or not 99, 2009, you know, well before. So, so when I came in, we, um, had an old technology stack and we really refreshed just about everything. Um, we haven't done our point of sale system and our legacy ones, but we've got a new point of sale system in, um, you know, um, for our hotels, but everything to a food management program. We put in an app with a loyalty program associated with it. And I mean, right down to our training and, and, and even onboarding and really upgraded the whole thing um, with you know, a very heavy bent on usability for our, uh, we even changed our ERP, you know, system, if you will, with with, with a bent towards simpler. And, um, you know, it, one of the things, if you think about, you know, especially in a high turnover place, you know, like to have trade-offs, you know, all things equal, and they never are, of I'd rather have a more usable, less function rich, you know, um, technology for our employees to use than something that has all the bells and whistles. But, you know, somebody who's only there for three or four months because it's the summer and we're busy, is just never really going to learn. And I think that allows them to spend more time, you know, with, with the customers and everything. So, you know, really, we're not pitching like, you don't become an Uno franchisee 
because of this access to this technology or, or that. It's it's really, you know, about, um, you know, the fact that we've got the new technology that's available to them um, that's going to make them successful. And, and oh, by the way, um, I think in the hotel space, they're even further behind in the restaurants. So it's a big upgrade. And when I look at my food cost management system, they've never seen anything like that. So we're able to say, hey, we don't make near as much money on this appetizer. We're going to have to, you know, de-emphasize it or whatever. And, and we're just able to eke out a little more money, you know, um, putting this picture on the menu versus that one, um, you know, and optimize some margin, things like that, I think has been a real help to them in addition to some of the other things that we're doing. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I think that I think that full service, I would even argue, is probably even further behind than QSR and, and, and fast casual. And so I think to hear that you guys definitely are starting to make strides towards really modernizing the system, and especially when you're getting into the hospitality space, which you're definitely right, uh, technology for that is even worse. <laughs> so I think that yeah. it, it is a really great place to and, innovate on, for sure. And, and one thing with the hotels in particular is um, and this is, I think, what's different about what people were doing in the past when they would build a restaurant outside the hotel, is we integrate with their property management system, right? And that's critical for them because if their guest wants to go to the restaurant, they don't want to hear you can't charge this to the room, right? We've got QR codes in their rooms so they can order room service right off their app, you know, um, and then go down and eat it and things like that. So there are a lot of advantage this, you know, um, that I think we bring to the table with technology, specifically the hotel space that, uh, you know, uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think that that's, I think it's the future. I think a lot of it's going to start to happen. And I, and I think that you guys are a fast mover to it, but I believe that there, I'm sure will be many others to follow that will be trying to, that will be trying to copycat. But I think it's almost a good thing because I don't really believe that there's a lot of, awareness around this particular model and from a real estate perspective. And I think it's kind of a different version of non-traditional that hasn't really been widely publicized yet. And so I think it's really cool that you guys are really, you know, standing on st standing up for and saying that you really want to do this. And I believe that a lot of a lot of folks, I'm sure, um, will be like, huh, that's kind of a good idea. Yeah, it's 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 uh, maybe counterintuitive, but I actually hope they do. I hope this category grows because I think we've got about 60,000 hotels in the United States. And I mean, we're not in um, select service. We're not in, we're not in motel six and we're not in the peninsula, right? We're in that mid range full service hotel. Um, but still, I think there's 30,000 of them in the United States. And, and uh, you know, we've got six, we get to a hundred, it's going to be a pretty good day. So I actually hope this becomes a category especially for casual dining, full service restaurants, because I think there's a lot of really good expertise of, of great food and great guest experience out there um, that the hotel operators, they're as skilled at as I am in running a hotel, you know? Uh, yep. So go figure. You know? <laughs> and, yep. so, and, and that's not, look, a lot of them have really, really good programs and all that kind of thing. And that's great. But any real strategy is comes down to am I solving somebody else's problem? And we think that there's problems out there to be solved that we can all make money doing. Well, not spoken again, like a true CFO. <laughs> and, I, and, and I like it. I like it. So, you know, uh, in, in, I guess in summary or in conclusion here, Eric, I would love to just kind of make sure if there anything, if there's anything we haven't touched on, is there a big thing you guys have on the horizon uh, for this year uh, that you want to talk about before we go? 
No, I think the big thing is, is, you know, we've sort of gotten through, you know, COVID is over. I think we're all trying to surf through, you know, the, but it's really, how do we put the pedal to the metal, you know, um, as it relates to, you know, growing out our franchise base and, and getting people interested and, and, uh, you know, effectively finding franchise partners who who want to help operate things and and who who fundamentally get great food and great hospitality, and that becomes a win for everybody. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I really love the model, as I've mentioned, and I'm excited to really see, you know, how it goes. I know you guys are early days with it so far, but I think it's a really cool thing to be able to hear more about. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Eric. It was definitely really exciting for me to be able to have you know, a brand that I grew up with uh, on the show for the first time. So uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, and uh, for folks who want to learn a little bit more about becoming a franchisee, potentially, where can they go? Uh, well, they can go to our website, unos.com, and we've got a tab there for franchising and and uh, just kind of fill out the form. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll get back to you. Love to see it. Well, thanks again, Eric, for coming on the show. And folks, thanks again for listening. Uh, if you'd like to listen to more episodes like this, uh, please go to Modern Business. That's M-O-D-R-N Business, uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, thanks again to Uno CEO, uh, Eric Fletcher, for coming on the show. Cheers thanks so much, Zach.